were listening to a sermon from Sojourn Church in Fairfax, Virginia. We hope that this is an encouragement to you no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey. If you're not already, we would encourage you to connect to your local church. If you'd like to find out more about Sojourn in particular, please visit our website at sojournfairfax.com. May God bless you now as you listen to the preaching of his word. So again, we're going to be reading out of Psalm 121 today. If you guys could stand for the reading of God's word. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, church. It's good to gather with you today. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourn. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, we'd love to be able to do that after uh, our gathering today. But it's good to be together with you this morning uh, as we continue on in our sermon series in the songs for sojourning as we're walking through these psalms of ascent. Uh, I hope you've been encouraged and challenged by them, and I'm hopeful for what God will do in our time together today, uh, especially because my friend Mark is here to preach uh, from Psalm 121. So uh, if you haven't had the chance to, to get to know Mark or know who he is, he's one of the pastors at Redeeming Grace Church, uh, which is just down the road from where we gather. And uh, first off, Redeeming Grace Church has been just a blessing to us over the last seven years as we've existed as a church, serving us in so many different ways. Uh, by all kinds of different things. And so we're grateful for that church as a whole. And we had the opportunity to partner with them this past uh, spring, winter time for hypothermia week uh, and just got to, got to do different ministry things together. But I'm particularly and personally thankful for Mark. Mark's been a, a friend and we have had a, had a growing friendship over this last year. Uh, both have a fondness for the Nationals. Go Nats, though they lost last night. Sad. Um, but uh, but Mark has just been a, a, an older brother in the faith. He's been pastoring for a long time and has a deep, deep love for Jesus and the church. And it's just been fun for, for us to spend time together um, with a couple other pastors or just he and I on our one-on-one. And I've been encouraged by you, brother. It's been a joy to get to know you more and uh, just seeing someone who's been faithful to preach Jesus uh, for years and years to call people to Christ. And so I'm just thankful for him, thankful for your ministry here, and thankful to, to be able to listen to him preach God's word this morning. So brother, why don't you come over here, and uh, you guys can welcome Mark. <coughs> and let me, uh, let me pray for you as you get started. Father, we just give you thanks that we get to gather together to get today. Lord, it is a privilege, an opportunity, a gift from you to be together as your family, brothers and sisters, purchased by the blood of Jesus. And God, as we were reminded this morning through the reading of your word that, that sin no longer has dominion over us, for we're not under law, but under grace. God, I pray that you would help us to truly believe that. And as Mark opens up your word this morning to just a, a glorious psalm, God, I pray that you would continue to encourage our hearts. And most importantly, God, would you draw us back to you, whether we've been straying from you just in the last 24 hours, the last week, the last month, whether we've not known you at all. God, I know that there are people in this room this morning that are all in different places in their spiritual journey. I pray that by the power of your spirit, through the preaching of your word, that you would draw all of us closer to you, that we would lift our eyes and see who you are, the greatness of who you are, God, and that would radically transform our lives. And so, God, I'm grateful for my brother that he's preaching this morning. I pray that the overflow of the sermon would be an overflow of his heart as he seeks just to worship you even in this moment 
that he be filled with your Holy Spirit, that his confidence would not be in himself or the notes he has, but the spirit at work within him and your living and active word. So God, we're grateful for him. We're grateful for this opportunity we have to listen to your word this morning. Help us to be attentive. May you do a work for your glory and our good. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Justin, thank you for calling me an older brother and not a father. <laughs> that was kind of you. So um, it's been my privilege to be at Redeeming Grace Church for 20 years. Our church is about to celebrate its 40th birthday. And for the first 15 years, it was on a little pilgrimage from school to school in Fairfax County. And one of the stops was Frost Middle School. So I've always heard about this school, but I've never actually been here. And it's really exciting to be here and to be here with you. And it, um, I feel very privileged and grateful to be here together to worship the Lord with you. Sometimes I, I, I wonder when Jesus looks down on the church, what does he see? How does he see his people? Because I, I'm a pastor, I love our church, you're involved in your church, I'm, I'm sure you love your church, and w we can get very focused on our individual congregations, but it's, it helps me to remember there's a bigger church with a capital C, right? There's a church of Fairfax County, and it's a privilege to be part of that bigger body of Christ with you. It's been a delight to do the, the Hypo Week, to share some services uh, with you. And, um, and uh, over the last uh, uh, year or two to get to know uh, Edward and, and, and Justin uh, in, a, in an informal way. Um, so just very grateful to be here with you this morning. And um, I, uh, I know Justin just prayed for me, but I, I want to I pray too. I, what's about to happen here is, as Becky read Psalm 121, and as these words are open in front of us, the living God is present here with us. And these are his words in Psalm 121. So let's just pause once more and just quiet our hearts. O oh God, our Father, Before you formed us in our mother's womb, you knew us. Before we looked to you, you called us. And you are doing something great in the lives of these people here. You are conforming women and men into the image of your son and sending them into the world as missionaries. And I pray that this sermon would deepen and strengthen and forge titanic courage and confidence that you are our keeper. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, a couple years ago, my wife Leslie and I were able to, um, on vacation, retrace part of one of the most amazing journeys that was ever taken. If you've ever heard of the Lewis and Clark Expedition, um, in 1804, uh, a group of 33 people set off from St. Louis to try to find a way to the Pacific Ocean. The group was led by Lewis and Clark, Meriwether Lewis, and William Clark. They had no map. There was no GPS. 
Uh, there was little known uh, by the people, by the travelers of the rivers, the mountains, uh, the Native American tribes that, that lived in those lands. What they hoped for, think about this, what they hoped to find was a water passageway that would go all the way from the Atlantic to the Pacific. It'd be, you just get in your sailboat and you could sail from one side of the continent to the other. And um, they were to, trying to find that, that passageway, trying to figure out what's there. So the president, Thomas Jefferson, he commissioned this exploration and he couldn't go with him, but he did something that I, I've never read of another president doing. He told Lewis, you can have as much money as you want to get anything you need to, to do this. He gave him the biggest blank check in history and sort of against all odds, um, they managed to make their way 2,000 miles on foot to the Pacific Ocean and back again. They did it with what Jefferson would call Courage Undaunted. And there's a, there's a book called Undaunted Courage if you want to read more uh, about that. But I want to key in on that word courage. You know, people on journeys often encounter danger and difficulty, right? It's, journeys are often exciting at the beginning and can become very difficult partway through. And courage is needed to persevere, to keep going. Psalm 121 is all about courage. Psalm 121 is a psalm for people on a journey. And if you stop and think about it, everybody's on a journey of some kind, right? Some might be getting ready to start a new school year, got a journey through a new uh, grade in school. Some might be starting a business or some might be leading a small group for the first time. Many are beginning a journey or some are in the middle of a journey somewhere. For Christians, this psalm is special because we are, as believers, we are followers of Jesus. So following Jesus means going somewhere. It means there's a beginning to a journey, a middle to a journey, and an end to a journey. This world is not our home. We are headed to a city with foundations whose builder and maker is God. And so Christians are pilgrims. We're all on a pilgrimage to the promised land. So the question that we have in front of us this morning, the question Psalm 121 poses for us is this, where do you need help in your journey today? Where do you need courage to press on? Where is the journey hard this morning? Where do you look ahead and see danger? This psalm, as you've been hearing, if you've been here for the series, is part of a group of psalms called the Songs of Ascents. And most likely, these were the songs that God's people would sing when every year, for two or three times a year for the festivals, they would come from the small towns in, in Israel and travel to Jerusalem. So you can imagine a group of people traveling along and singing Psalm 121 together, singing Psalms 120 to 134. Jerusalem was the city set on a hill. And so they were ascending, songs of ascents, they were ascending to the, to the city of, of God, the city where the, the, the temple was and the manifest presence of God was. And so as believers, we can find ourselves on a similar pilgrimage. We're ascending to the heavenly Jerusalem and the great promised land and being in God's presence for the life to come. Now, Psalm 121 is a gift to every traveler. If you're on a journey, if you're following Jesus, this psalm is a gift because 
God's promise in Psalm 121 is simply this. He promises to keep you on your journey. He promises to guard his pilgrim people. So when you look ahead and you see trouble, who sees trouble ahead right now? When you look ahead and see trouble, this psalm teaches us, this psalm is God's voice to us to count on him, to trust in him, to lean into him, to keep you all the way to to the end of your journey. That's the simple promise. The simple message of this psalm is to count on God to be your keeper all the way to the end. It's a psalm of confidence. It's a psalm of assurance. It's a psalm of encouragement, of giving of courage. When God calls his people on a journey, he promises to protect them along the way. Jesus says the same thing. He promises his followers, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age with you to do what well amongst other things with you to keep you and guard you and guide you and preserve you so psalm 121 isn't so much an explanation of how god keeps his people that's for other psalms and other parts of scripture but psalm 21 drives this point home let this just rest in your heart this morning God is willing to guard you. God is able to guard you. God is able to guard you at all times. God is able to guard you in all places. God is able to guard you from all harm. It's comprehensive. He will do it. And if that can take root in our hearts, it will bring confidence. So when you see trouble ahead, count on God to keep you all the way to the end of your journey. That's the simple message of the psalm. Let's take a look at how it opens up to us. We're going to take the psalm just in two parts. We're going to look at verse 1 and then we're going to look at verses 2 through 8 as, as part 2. Verse 1 is the, is the traveler. It's the, the pilgrim. Listen to the words. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? There's a question there. Now, let's think about what's being said here. There, the, 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 the writer is saying, From where does my help come? Why would a traveler need help? Well, because travel is difficult. Travel is arduous. Travel can be dangerous. The traveler sees trouble ahead. And so he says, or I I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? So we want to just ask the question, what does this man or this woman see in the hills? And there are actually a couple of different answers. You, you might think, well, they're traveling to Jerusalem, right? That Jerusalem is the city set on a hill. So maybe the traveler looks to the end of the destination and says, hey, I know where my help's going to come. It's going to come from the place where the Lord is, the city of God, Jerusalem. That's a possibility. Another possibility is that the traveler knows, I've got a ways to go. And before I get to Jerusalem, I see hills in front of me. And there could be danger in those hills. It's going to be hard to get through those hills. And there may be robbers there. There there may be danger there. And I think in the flow of the psalm and the location of the psalm in this group of psalms, it makes sense to me that the traveler is looking at hills and seeing danger. Looking ahead and seeing, before I get to the promised place, to the end of the journey, 
I've got some trouble between me and that place. So where can I find help? Help as I travel through places with slippery cliffs and we got little kids with us. Help when there are dangerous animals lurking at night and we have to sleep there. Help when there are robbers and criminals. Traveling on foot in the Middle East would have been dangerously hot in the summer, cold at night in other times. You know, Lewis and Clark, as they were traveling, walking from St. Louis 2,000 miles to the Pacific Ocean, they had to cross the Continental Divide. They knew there were some hills out there. You know what they thought they were like? They thought they were like our Shenandoah National Park kind of hills. 2,000, 3,000 feet. We can handle that. You know what they found? They found the Rocky Mountains, 14,000 foot tall mountains, and they had to find a way through there. They thought, when they left, they thought, we're going to paddle our boats up to the top of the Missouri River, and then we're going to pick them up, and we're going to carry them for a half a day, and then we're going to drop them in some water that's going to just float us all the way to the Pacific Ocean. How hard could that be? Imagine their surprise when they looked at the hills, and the hills were the Rocky Mountains. I wonder this morning if there's anyone here and what you thought were going to be little Shenandoah National Park mountains turned out to be 14,000-foot mountains, and you're looking at trouble, and you're looking at something that's maybe impossible in your mind to cross or to get through. I wonder what's causing worry in your heart as you're looking ahead this morning. You know, in a fallen world, there are so many reasons to be anxious, so many reasons to be afraid. And everyone, every person has to answer this question, from where does my help come? Let's just pause. Let God's word open our hearts this morning. Where do you turn when you're in trouble? Where do you go when pressure comes? Where do you go when things are ahead of you that you can't control and you don't like what you see? You know, my instincts, I don't have to think about this. I just, I turn in on myself. In Mark, I trust. That's what comes naturally to me. I'll find a way through this. I'll figure this out. I'll get the right resources. But this psalm trains me to think differently. From where does my help come? Here's the big transition. My help comes not from how healthy I am, not from what's in my bank account, not from where I live, not from who I know, not from my spouse. My help comes from the Lord. And the rest of this psalm is a meditation on God's commitment to keep and help and guard and preserve his pilgrim people. So let's meditate then on God's promised protection in verses 2 through 8. Verses 2 through 8 focus on one simple fact that God will guard his people all the way to the end of the journey. So just think about your own life right now. Here's the question. Will God keep you and protect you from here to the end of your journey? And the answer from Psalm 121 is yes. Yes. Yes, he will. So let's ask a few questions. First, let's ask this question. Is God qualified to protect us? Does he have the right resume? 
Well, the answer right here in verse 2 is this. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So that means when I look at those hills, God made those hills. When I look at those people, God made those people. God is in control of his universe. When I look at that sun, God made that sun. When I see those dangers, well, God is sovereign over those dangers. Every person that I might be afraid of has breath because God is giving it to them actively right now. You know, when you need help, don't you want to get help from somebody who's actually got the ability to provide the help? How about the creator, maker, and sustainer of heaven and earth? That's the person you want helping you when you are in trouble, when you see danger ahead. This is my Father's world. The doctrine of God the Creator is intended to bring great confidence and comfort to his people. Is God qualified to be our protector? Yes, he is. He's the maker and sustainer of all things. So let's ask the next question. When will he help me? When does God help us? Let's think about this when question. When is the, this protector, this guardian of the people of God on duty? Think about this. God is on duty at all times. I love the poetic way this comes through. He who keeps you will not slumber. Some of you are feeling slumbery right now, right? Happens to be in church too, I understand. In fact, a good day for me is a day that involves a nap. I, I, need, I need sleep at night and I need naps during the day because I'm a creature. And if I don't sleep, I don't function well. God is not like that. God has never had a nap. God never complains about not getting a good night's sleep because God does not sleep. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. That's one of the basic distinctions between creature and creator. We have limits. We must sleep. God has no limits. God never experiences fatigue. And so when God says, I will guard you, you now have a keeper, a guardian, who never sleeps. That's good news, isn't it? You know, when Lewis and Clark were on their journey, they were in constant danger. And so at night, when the group was sleeping, they posted a guard. One night, Private Willard was on guard duty, and the sergeant got up and found him asleep at his post. This offense was so serious because their danger at night was so great that the regulations made it punishable by death. If you fell asleep on guard duty, it was a death sentence. Now, they decided to be merciful to Private Willard, and so his punishment for falling asleep on guard duty was only a hundred lashes four days in a row. Why? Because they needed a guard while they were sleeping. And so do you. And you have one who never slumbers. He who keeps you does not sleep. And so 
if you find yourself fearful at night, as I often do, it's good to remember you have a keeper who will be awake, watching over you every moment you sleep. The Lord is your keeper. He will not slumber nor sleep. That's the when. How about the where? How about the where? Where is he on duty? Again, we get this comprehensive, he's on duty in all places. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. That's verse 8. He will keep your going out and your coming in. Think about it. You all probably walked out of a, an apartment, a townhouse, a home, some dwelling this morning. You walked out of a door. Lord willing, you're going to walk back in sometime later today. I love the, the poetic way this is described. He will keep your going out and your coming in. All those back and forths. When you're inside, when you're outside. When you're leaving for vacation, when you're going home. When you're out for the new job, when you're coming back. When you're going to the hospital, when you return, you're going out and you're coming in. From this time forth and forevermore, he will protect you. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he and the Father poured out the Holy Spirit on Jesus' disciples. Are you a disciple of Jesus? The Holy Spirit of God has come to dwell in you and he will be with you in your going out and your coming in now and forevermore. Isn't that good news? Isn't that comforting? There's no place you can go where he won't be there with you, filling you and present with you. Yesterday I was helping a lady in our church move some, just get rid of a bunch of us were helping this family get rid of a bunch of uh, junk from their garage, just needed some, some help cleaning up. And they needed help because um, this, this woman's husband is in the hospital. He's got leukemia. He's been through several rounds of treatment. It's, it's not really going great right now. And as we were standing there in the driveway, you know, it was hot, sweaty. We were just standing there talking to her. And, and um, I told her I was going to be here today because um, I wanted to just, just recite a few of these verses. And, and I said, hey, you know, Marlene, what I'm going to say tomorrow is true for us. It's true for you. The Lord is your keeper. He will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. She's thinking about her husband and she's got, she's got some tears rolling down her cheeks and she said, you know, Mark, I don't know much about what's going on right now, but I know that. I know that God is our keeper. That much I know. These truths give us great courage in the most important moments of life. And if you're not in a crisis right now, this is a great time to memorize Psalm 121. Things are going pretty well right now. This is a great time to meditate over these verses. Get these working in your soul because sooner or later, you're gonna need this courage or someone that you know is gonna need this confidence. So. Lay hold of this gift. Last question, from what does God protect us? It's one more part of God's promise protection. 
Listen to the word of God. He will not let your foot be moved. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Doesn't that sound wonderful? But let's be, let's be real with this. I, isn't this sort of over-promising? Like, isn't this sort of a Christian pie-in-the-sky fantasy that's kind of out of touch with reality? I mean, he will keep you from all evil. Wait a second. If this were really true, if he would really guard us from the sun, couldn't we forget using sunscreen? Right? Couldn't we leave our keys in our wallets in our cars? Post your password on Instagram because God's our keeper, right? It's going to keep us from all evil, nothing to worry about. If this were really true, how come Christians sprain their ankles or get sick and die? What does this really mean? He will keep you from all evil. He will not let your foot be moved. He will keep your life. Well, we always need to read Scripture in its broader context. And if we do that, we see two things. We see that the Psalms themselves often acknowledge that real trouble comes to godly people. It isn't a pie-in-the-sky book. It couldn't be more real. In fact, just start reading the Psalms. Read the first ten, and you'll find half of them are laments. The introduction to the book of prayer for the people of God, the first 10 are 50% people in trouble calling out to God. Now, trouble comes to God's people. So how does God keep us? How does God preserve us? How does God guard us? Well, you know, Romans 8 does a wonderful job spelling this out for us. See, people experience tough things in a fallen world. Everybody does. Atheists, Hindus, Buddhists, Christians, everybody's experiences trouble in a fallen world. And to f come and follow Jesus, to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him means entering into a whole other kind, a, an extra layer of suffering from distress and persecution and the difficulties that come from following Christ. So how does God keep us in those things? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sores, all things that are laid out in Romans 8. Here's how he keeps us. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. He will keep you in that love. He will keep you in that way. In all these things. He's not saying Christians transcend all these things. He's not saying Christians can just lay hold of, of some supernatural power and dispense with all those things. He's saying in the midst of all those things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us, through Christ, because nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. The keeping power isn't in such a way that you never experience trials and difficulties, temptations and troubles. The keeping power is that in the midst of those things, you are never alone. 
And in the midst of those things, with Christ, you are more than conquerors. And in the midst of those things, God develops a testimony of people who trust him and experience his saving, rescuing, delivering, preserving power to the very last step of the journey. Sometimes God delivers from that trouble through miraculous intervention. And sometimes God delivers through that trouble by giving grace to persevere with the trouble still there. But in the end, all of God's people, all of God's people, he will keep your life. All of God's people. This isn't for the person just sitting next to you. This isn't for the super spiritual person. If you're a follower of Christ, this is for you. You will be fully, completely, eternally delivered from all harm, from all tears, from all evil, and you will live in the presence of your God and King forever. I read the back of the book. That's how the story ends. Got big 14,000 foot mountains in front of you right now. Got to remember the end of the story. You got to know where the journey ends. And you've got to know this great God who promises to keep you every step of the way. Here is an eight-verse gift to every Christian on a journey to heaven. When you see trouble ahead, count on God to keep you all the way to the end of your journey. So on November 7, 1805, the Lewis and Clark expedition was floating down the Columbia River and there were several boats together and there was a shout that lifted up. Captain Clark wrote in his journal, ocean in view. Oh, the joy. Where are you in your journey today? Where are you floating through the journey that God has set for you? I want to remind you this morning, there's a day coming for you, brother and sister in Christ. Christ in view. Oh, the joy. Christ, the one we see by faith, the one whose spirit dwells in us, the one whose word we love, Christ, our Savior, you will see him. You will be with him. Oh, the joy. The first time I walked into a meeting like this, I didn't know this Jesus. I wasn't a follower. I wasn't on that kind of journey. I was leading my own journey, and it wasn't going particularly well at the time. I didn't know this God who became my keeper. But what I discovered when I started coming to meetings like this was that there is a God who's the maker and creator of all things, and that I was made to love and serve and know and follow him, and I wasn't doing that. I was going my own way directing my own path 
And I discovered these words, repent and believe in the gospel. And those words were intended to lead to a new life, following Jesus Christ. And by God's grace, I responded to those words. I turned from living for myself. I turned from serving my own desires to seek forgiveness from the God who'd made me. And through Jesus Christ, I received an eternal life. And if you don't know that great God, and if you haven't experienced that forgiveness and the hope of being kept by God, I just want to invite you this morning to call out to God, to consider what God is saying here and why he might have brought you to this meeting. Maybe talk to a person that you might have met or might have brought you here. Come talk to Justin or one of the leaders or talk to me afterwards. But this great confidence in knowing the great maker and keeper of souls can be yours through Jesus. For all of us, I just want to encourage you, put this psalm to work. Extend the shelf life of Psalm 121 this week. Memorize it. It's only eight verses long. I don't sleep well, and when I wake up at night, I find it helpful to, to have something productive to put my mind on. So for the last few weeks, I've been, been re-memorizing Psalm 121. So when I wake up, I just, I just start rolling through it, and it leads me to confidence and gratefulness and prayer. I want to encourage you to, to pray this psalm before you go to sleep, especially if you find that you are, become anxious at that time of day, because this reminds you that God will be awake watching over you while you sleep. I want to encourage you to use this when you start something new. Maybe you've got kids who are about to start a new year in school. Pray this over them. Pray this with them as they start their new year. Maybe you're starting something new in a job or a, a, you, maybe you're in school yourself. I want to encourage you, this is a great thing as you get started maybe with a new business or maybe you're getting married or maybe you're having a baby or there's some transition point. This is a great psalm as you look ahead in these transition points in your life and wherever you are today when you see trouble ahead pray psalm 121 pray it for yourself pray it with your friends pray it when they have trouble ahead and what i'd actually like to do in closing is i'd like to pray this over you if you look at the psalm the first two verses have the pronoun i and the last verses have the pronoun you the first two verses, we might think of a, the group traveling and we might think of, 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 of one group saying, I lift my eyes to the hills, where's my help come from? And then someone else or another group over them proclaiming these wonderful truths. So can we do verses one and two? Can we put that up there? Is that possible? Oh, look at that. Okay, so here's, so I'm going to put you guys to work. You're going to say verses one and two and then I'm going to just, just read and pray verses three through eight over you as you make your pilgrimage towards heaven, okay? So, verses one and two, go. Okay, so I'm gonna just, maybe just, if you wanna just close your eyes and just let this rest in your hearts, that's fine. But here, these are God's words. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel and sojourn church will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper.
The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord, Yahweh, will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Every week uh, as we gather together as a church, our first response to the preaching of God's word is to come forward and, and partake of this meal called communion, a time when we get to eat the bread and drink the cup, a picture of what Christ has done for us, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. And so this really is a meal for the journey, uh, that we be reminded, even as you come forward this morning, of exactly what Mark shared with us from God's word, that, that this is a testimony of the fact that he who has given us all things in Christ, he will continue to watch over us. He will continue to keep us and nothing, is, nothing will separate us from his love. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, I just invite you to come forward this morning and take the bread and take the cup and hear what Christ has done, spoken over you this morning. It may refresh your heart, remind you of the greatness of our God who does not sleep, who does not slumber, who keeps you and will continue to do so from this time forth and forevermore. And if you don't call yourself a follower of Jesus, we're glad that God has brought you to gather with us this morning. We would just ask you not to come forward to partake of this meal, but to really take to heart what was shared with you this morning, to think on whether or not you are following this God or not. And instead of coming and taking this meal, that you would take Christ this morning. And just where you sit in your seat, that you'd cry out to God and ask him to save you and restore you and redeem you, and that you would let somebody around you know uh, that you want to do that and ask to help you on this journey, that we would journey together towards Jesus. So those of you who will come forward, come forward when you're ready. But let me pray for us before we do that. Father, we give you thanks that we've been able to gather together this morning. God, I give you thanks for your timeless word. God, that someone wrote this psalm a really, really long time ago. But the reality is we still need to be reminded of the truths of this text, that just as sojourners sung this song on a journey, encountering hills, encountering challenges, encountering difficulty along the way, that we, as sojourners, still need to be reminded of this reality, that our help doesn't come from anything or anyone but you who made heaven and earth. And so, God, I pray that as we walk out of here today, as we go about our week, as we get ready to start a new school year, God, I'm grateful for the children in our church that are going to be starting school, whether at home or in a private school or public school. God, I pray that you'd bless them as they go, that as a community, whether those kids are our kids or not, that we would be praying this word over them. God, I pray for the college students that are getting ready to start classes, that they would be reminded that you go before them, teachers that are about to teach kids, as we're about to start new jobs or move houses or go different places, whatever lies ahead of us. God, I pray this week that we would be encouraged by this and come back to it over and over and over again. God, we thank you that your word is everlasting as you are. So God, we thank you for the grace you've given us in Christ, that we know because Christ has been raised from the grave, 
that we can have this hope and this confidence, not in ourselves, not in our circumstances, but in you who rules and reigns over all things and will come again to make all things new. So God, I pray that as we come forward now to partake of this meal, that you would refresh our souls, that your Holy Spirit would do a work even now in our lives. And as we lift our voices in praise, that you would be honored and glorified. God, we praise you today. In the name of Christ, we pray all these things. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon from Sojourn Fairfax. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at info at sojournfairfax.com. Go in peace.